0: You're part of what is essentially America's royal family. Now, the problem is, you don't fit the mold. So the family patriarch decides to surgically fix you. I'm Patti Steele, the concealed Kennedy, next on The Backstory. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Well, if we're being honest, we all have stuff in our lives that drive us crazy. Maybe it's a job, a difficult relationship, or love interest, or honestly, it can just be the state of this crazy world we live in. For me, it's all three of those things at times. A lot of times, it's not a big deal, but in the moment, it sure feels like it is, right? So how do you come to terms with those stressors and not let the negativity weigh you down? For me, therapy has always been a haven, where I can open up, talk about what's eating at me, and trust that this person will be honest, understanding, and discreet. Therapy isn't just for folks who've had major trauma. It's for you and me, so we can be at peace and become the best version of ourselves. When I connected with a terrific therapist at BetterHelp, she asked some on-point questions, and I actually heard myself working through some of the issues I'd kept bottled up. What a relief. You're born into a family whose world includes more money, power, and fame than anybody could possibly imagine. You have a devoted mother, a wildly ambitious father, and there are nine children in your family, but you're different. You're equally as beautiful, you have a sparkling personality, but you have some developmental disabilities due to a bungled delivery at birth, and those differences set you apart. Maybe you laugh too loud. Your grades in school aren't as good as the rest of your brothers and sisters. And you have a bit of a wild streak, especially when it comes to men. This was Rosemary Kennedy, the sister of President John F. Kennedy, Senators Robert and Ted Kennedy, and the third-born child of Joe and Rose Kennedy's nine kids. Today, we often make room for those kinds of differences. But in the wealthy, socially correct world of New England in the 1920s and 30s, appearances are everything. In the roaring 20s of post-World War I America, it's all about jazz, prohibition, and a roaring economy. But understanding and support for developmental disabilities? Yeah, not so much. Rosemary's parents were frustrated with her lack of progress, and starting at the age of 11, sent her to new boarding schools every couple of years. She was desperate to catch up with her siblings and desperate to please her parents. At 15, she wrote to her dad from school saying, I would do anything to make you so happy. But her father called her backward, and although she was poised and sociable, her parents decided to give her experimental injections to treat hormonal imbalances, which really didn't help very much. As she got into her late teens, she really wanted more of a social life. And on a bright note, her dad was appointed U.S. ambassador to Great Britain when Rosemary was 19. Later, she'd say the two years in England were the happiest of her life. Her father formally introduced her to the king and queen in 1938, and she lived a vibrant social life, just like her brothers and sisters. But she never got any independence from her father, who was worried that her issues would have a negative impact on the careers and lives of the other eight kids. Of course, she did what most kids do, and she snuck out, meeting up with friends and interesting guys at local clubs and bars late at night. Then, World War II breaks out, and of course the family has to come home to the U.S. But once here, Rosemary gets more difficult, again sneaking out and getting moodier. Her dad, Joe, has even bigger political and business ambitions for his sons, and he sees Rosemary as a major obstacle. He has two main worries about her. First, she wasn't the competition-focused ideal of a Kennedy woman, And second, he felt she was too sexually intense and much wilder than her sisters. She simply did not fit the Kennedy mold. Joe winds up paying a family friend to keep a constant eye on her when she's out to prevent any scandal. He's worried she'll get an STD or get pregnant, that guys who are gold diggers will target her for her wealth and beauty. Her parents send her to several more boarding schools and summer camps, but again, it's no use. She gets even more difficult and even has some violent mood swings. Joe's worries about her impact on the business and social lives of the family increase. So he looks for a fix. Then a Harvard classmate of Joe's recommends getting Rosemary a lobotomy, saying it's gonna end those mood swings. Dr. Walter Freeman, a neurologist in Washington, D.C., is a huge proponent of lobotomies, even though the AMA calls them risky but Joe reaches out to him. Despite the fact that more than 100 of his lobotomy patients died of cerebral hemorrhages, Dr. Freeman calls it a simple procedure. After some reassurance, Joe gives the go-ahead for the surgery, which basically disconnects the front part of the brain, the frontal cortex, from the rest of the brain. Joe is told it would leave Rosemary happy and calm and put a stop to her impulsive outbursts. Instead the lobotomy left her a shadow of herself. She now had the mental capabilities of a two-year-old. She could barely speak, her head was permanently drooped to the side, she lost the use of one arm, and only after years of therapy, finally was able to walk again, but even then with a limp. Joe had allowed doctors to destroy part of Rosemary's brain rather than risk his family's social and political position. Now 23 years old, She was totally incapable of caring for herself. Her father sent her to a church-run facility in Wisconsin, where nuns cared for her in a private cottage for the rest of her life. Joe never saw her again. And her mother, Rose, ashamed of her husband's choice, didn't visit her for 20 years. Word is her eight brothers and sisters weren't even told where she was for many years. After JFK became president in 1961, the family made a public statement about Rosemary, simply saying she was mentally retarded and lived away from home. The lobotomy wasn't acknowledged by the family publicly until 1987, more than 45 years after the fact. Now, on the upside, the family began to reconnect with her after Joe had a massive stroke in 1961. And after he died in 1969, they occasionally brought Rosemary to their homes in Washington DC, Palm Beach, Cape Cod, for family get-togethers. And several of them would also visit her in Wisconsin. On top of that reconnection, Rosemary's struggles actually inspired her younger sister Eunice to create the Special Olympics. Rosemary Kennedy died in 2005 at the age of 86, having been airbrushed out of the Kennedy family history for more than half of her life. I'm Patty Steele. The Backstory is a production of iHeartMedia, Premier Networks, the Elvis Duran Group, and Steel Trap Productions. Our producer is Doug Fraser. Our writer, Jake Kushner. We have new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. Feel free to reach out to me with comments and even story suggestions on Instagram at Real Steele and on Facebook at Patty Steele. Thanks for listening to The Backstory with Patty Steele, the pieces of history you didn't know you needed to know.